Thank you for tuning in to Heroes of Hope with Evangelist Hagen Adams. Our desire is to evangelize the sinner, encourage the saint, and exalt the Savior as we hear from men of God who have given their life to share that blessed hope. Well, welcome back to the Heroes of Hope podcast. Thank you so much for being here today, for tuning in. And it is my joy, and I have another interview with you this week, and I'm so excited about that. But uh, before I tell you who that is, I want to share just a little bit with him, about with you about him and the influence that he has had on my life over the years. And I met this particular person when I was about eight years old, seven or eight years old, and he would come and preach revival for us. And at our church, at Ozark Baptist Church in Bergman, Arkansas, and just fell in love with him, fell in love with his preaching. And uh, even from that age, I thought, man, I aspire to be like him. He's such a godly man. And at that point, I thought, you know, I can never, um, never reach him. As an eight-year-old boy, I thought, man, I could never get to him. He was so far beyond me and out of my reach. But lo and behold, I certainly didn't know. Uh, but God had other plans, and I'm so privileged to get to be here today and sit with one of my heroes of the faith, and that is Brother Ken Graham. And so, when, when as an eight year old boy, I did have two of his CDs, and I would and I would listen to those as I would fall asleep uh, at night. I would listen to him preach, and I would rotate every night. I would I would switch CDs and fall asleep listening to him preach every night. And he was my favorite preacher at that age, and still one of my favorites, if not my favorite. And I just sure love to hear Brother Graham preach. Love his influence that he's had on my life, and certainly, certainly uh, aspire to be like him uh, throughout my lifetime, and just the things that he's done for the Lord. So, Brother Graham, thank you so much for being on today. If For those that may not know you, would you just go ahead and give about 30 seconds who you are, uh, introduce your family to us, and and where you pastored the last little while. All right, and I'm Pastor Ken Graham for the last uh, 33 years at Victory Baptist Church in Benton, Arkansas. And have been in the ministry for a little over 50 years now. My wife's name is Pam. God has blessed us with eight children, and seven of our children are married. But all eight are uh, grown and out of the house now. And we have 20 grandchildren. And uh, so excited about what God has done and excited about what God is doing as He's now allowing us to finish our ministries we started in the field of evangelism. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, Brother Graham, we're kind of going to go back to where... Uh, the very beginning, tell us if you would where you were born, kind of the home that you were raised in, and then if you would kind of bring us up to where when you were saved as, as a young boy. All right. My parents, of course, came from the Poplar Bluff, Missouri area, and my dad had moved up to the St. Louis area for work and then crossed the river and uh, started working in Granite City, Illinois. And that's where God worked in his heart under the ministry of W.L. Showers, and uh, God uh, course, then called my dad to preach. By the time I came along, I was the fourth of six children. And uh, when I came along, my dad was already pastoring the first church that he started, the Bend Road Baptist Church. And uh, it's kind of interesting because I got my name from two of the men in the very first church that he pastored. One of them was Kenneth McDowell. The other was Walter Smith. And uh, so my name is Kenneth Walter. I asked my dad one day, what if you're uh, first two uh, key men had been Herkimer and Horatio. He said, you'd have been Herkimer and Horatio Graham. And I said, thank God for Kenneth and Walter. Amen. So then uh, God moved my dad through the years until uh, we ended up in Lincoln, Illinois, uh, when I was seven and uh, Miss Pam was six and uh, my dad became their pastor. And that's really how uh, 
uh, our lives begin to uh, get acquainted. And uh, from there, God began to work in my life and uh, began to see his hand as he worked on my heart about salvation. And uh, I was saved August 12th, 1970 at Camp Zion in Myrtle, Mississippi. And uh, that same week, God called me to preach. And I went home that Sunday at what was then the State Street Baptist Church in Lincoln, Illinois, announced my salvation and presented myself for baptism and announced my call to preach. I got baptized the following Sunday. And a month later, I preached my first sermon at the age of 13. Oh, wow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So obviously growing up in a preacher's home, as Brother Virgil Graham was your father, obviously, and, and growing up in that home, and then at and then age of 12, getting saved. And so so you said, is that correct? You were saved at 12 yes. years old and then preached your first sermon at 13. So you're obviously your birthday was in there pretty close. Very close. Yes, I sir. was uh, saved about a month before I turned 13. Oh, very good. And my dad, as you mentioned, uh, Dr. V.M. Graham, was one of the godliest uh, men that I ever knew. And my mother, uh, her name was Bobby Jean, was a great prayer warrior. And I often say my mother's personality was uh, quiet by nature, but she had a great sense of humor. And I often say that, you know, with her sense of humor and her spirit of uh, love and loyalty as a wife really created a great atmosphere to grow up in. And uh, then having my dad as uh, as my hero, really, I look back on my dad and how I, I loved and appreciated. My parents weren't perfect, but you could see the genuine desire they had to be consistent and to walk with God. And, and I think one of the things that was so vital for me is that they really displayed a genuine love for God in such a way that I always tell people I never grew up wondering if there was a God. He was so real in our home. I saw God answer prayer. I saw the excitement they had for the Lord. And, you know, I, I, I got saved when I was 12, but I always knew there was a God and knew that He was real because He was so real my parents, and that really made an impact on my life. Absolutely, for sure. And so you said you preached your first message at the age of 13. Do you remember what, what your first message was? I really do. I preached on a Wednesday night. My dad announced that I would be preaching, and uh, it seemed the, the custom in those days when you surrendered to preach that you got right after it. And so I preached my first sermon, and uh, it was on the subject of sin. I figured I was preaching to Baptists. That would be appropriate. <laughs> And uh, I had prepared pages of notes, but when I got up, uh, it lasted about five minutes. I was scared to death and uh, preached. And I remember bowing down and praying in the altar, and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I thought you'd call me to preach. That was terrible. But I said, God, if you can use me, I'll uh, preach as long as you give me breath. And to my surprise, God filled the altar that night with people getting right with God. I remember as God worked in that service. And God reminded me right then that it's not even the message or the man, but it's God that has to do the work. And my second sermon I preached just a couple weeks later on a Wednesday night in Clinton, Illinois. And uh, my second sermon lasted 20 minutes. And uh, my sisters came home that night and they told my dad, they said, oh, you should have been there. Said he preached for over 20 minutes and said he yelled and everything. And so that was their evaluation of good preaching if he yelled and everything. And at the same time uh, that I started preaching, uh, I also started singing. And there was a group of girls in our church that sang together. One of those, uh, of course, is now my wife and my sister. 
and they were called the Sunshine Girls. And uh, they sang together since they were like six years old. And when I sang in church the first time, my dad uh, had me sing a solo. I sang the song, Neither Do I Condemn Thee. And then he suggested I do a second song and have the Sunshine Girls back me up on the chorus. And so we sang that night and a man was visiting and told his pastor about us. And his pastor contacted us and wanted us to come. They were having a weekend youth meeting, and that was my first weekend to go out uh, for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we were advertised as the Sunshine Girls and Kenny. And I can tell you, I never liked the name Kenny. I always liked to be called Ken, but I really didn't like Sunshine Girls and <laughs> Kenny. So I told my dad, if we keep this up, we're going to have to change the name. So for the, about the first year, uh, we traveled as the Sunshine Girls and Kenny. And then we changed the name to the Blessed Hope Singers. My dad had a radio broadcast that was the Blessed Hope Hour. And so uh, we chose that name. Of course, it's a good Bible name, but it, I liked it better than the Sunshine Girls and Kitty. <laughs> Absolutely. And so you said, you uh, obviously, what would become the Blessed Hope Singers and uh, your sister, Miss Pam, and yourself, and you went out to sing that very first time. Did you preach that meeting as well, or just did y'all just sing? Not the very first time. The second one we did, I, I preached. I, I did do a, a just a one-time uh, devotion in that meeting. They had another uh, young preacher there, probably in his 20s. and But that was our first trip to go. And uh, my wife's dad at the time, Les Goad, uh, drove us up to that meeting. And he volunteered to drive me anywhere that God gave me the opportunity to preach. So through my eighth grade year and all my high school years, Brother Goad uh, was my uh, driver for the meetings. And uh, I can't even begin to express the investment he made. By the time I was 17, I tell people, of course, most of our ministry then was in Illinois because that's where my dad pastored. But the Lord had taken as far north as Michigan, as far south as Florida and and uh, throughout Illinois, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, and uh, several places by the time I was 17. And that was really because of the Lord, obviously, but also because Brother Goad was willing to invest his time in our ministry. And and uh, I felt a great debt to him. And that was before he knew I was going to be a son-in-law. Absolutely. He, if he'd only known when he got what he was getting himself into. Exactly. Absolutely. And so I know Brother Graham, obviously a very humble man. I can speak and say that. Um, but God certainly used you greatly in your teen years of preaching meetings, just like you had said, and getting to sing uh, all over the state of Illinois and then all over the country before uh, even the age of 17 years old. And so... Uh, if, if you would, just maybe a few stories that, that come to mind, a few of meetings that, that really uh, resonate in your mind, if you just wouldn't mind sharing some highlights over those those years as a, as a young preacher. Well, I think a couple that come to mind, one in particular, the, the revival that I first drove myself to, uh, the preacher had called me, Brother Amos Johnson had called and asked if I would preach a week's revival. And he gave me the date. It was in March. And I said, Brother Amos, I'm in school. At that time, I was going to the public school and he wanted Sunday to Sunday. And he said, well, ask the principal if you can get off. And uh, so I said, well, I'll ask him, but he's not going to let me miss school for a week. But the principal agreed to let me go if I would agree to get all my work done and get with my teachers. And so I drove myself to the meeting and we had a wonderful meeting. God blessed in a tremendous way. Had several people saved. On that uh, Friday, then Brother Goad brought the girls up to join us in the meeting. And uh, 
we finished the meeting on Sunday night. Monday was a holiday at the public school, so we were going to drive back Monday morning. And I'll never forget it because my dad had told me to be sure we wore seat belts, And that was before the day of great emphasis. But we agreed to do that. And we had a wreck coming home. A young man pulled out in front of me on the highway. And so uh, I went to the hospital. The girls weren't injured, but I went to the hospital with a concussion and uh, my leg was uh, cut up pretty bad. And anyway, I, I uh, spent till Friday in the hospital. I was supposed to start a meeting that Friday in Clinton, Illinois. And so I'd asked my dad on Monday night if he would cancel that meeting, tell the preacher what happened. And um, we were living in Lincoln and I was in the hospital in Streeter, Illinois. And being brave, I told my dad I didn't need anybody to stay with me until after they left. And then I was so homesick for a week by myself. But when we, when dad picked me up on Friday, him and one of the deacons uh, came to get me out of the hospital. We got in the car and dad said, that preacher doesn't want to cancel the meeting. And I said, well, dad, my head's still bandaged. I'm on crutches. I'm, I'm a mess. And he said, well, they've got a lot of young people coming and he'd really like to go ahead and have the meeting. And so we got home in time for me to get, you know, over there. Brother Go drove me over to the meeting and and uh, God bless. We had a number of young people saved that weekend and the Lord was good in spite of my limited health at that time. And then one other, and there's several that stand out in my mind, was a great revival when I was 17 in Carlinville, Illinois, when God moved in a marvelous way. Brother Jim Wilson, who was a dear friend of mine and a, a just a wonderful meeting. We had a great number of uh, young people saved during that meeting and several young men surrendered to preach. And and really many of those that are still actively serving the Lord that, you know, I'm friends with. And and in an indirect result, uh, you, of course, know the Wagahoffs and uh, their family was connected to that meeting. Brother James Wagahoff and his wife heard me preach all the way back when I was just 15 or 16 years of age, then ended up pastoring a church that really uh, was a direct result of Jim Wilson's ministry and that revival in Raymond, Illinois. And then as time went on, of course, we've had the privilege of having two of Brother Wagahoff's uh, grandchildren attend and graduate from our Bible college here. And so it's just amazing to see the full circle that God has given us in ministry all these years. Absolutely. And so Brother Graham, as far as... Um, and he could share so many more stories of the things that, that God's allowed him to do. But just over your teenage years, from the time 13 started preaching until 17, 18 years old, obviously the Lord allowed you to preach many meetings, many revival meetings. Uh, see dozens of people saved, if not hundreds, uh, for many to surrender to preach. Um, but as far as this, there, let me back up for a second. There are obviously uh, hundreds of teenagers um that are in church, hundreds, hundreds of teenagers that are um, that are called to preach, hundreds of teenagers that are, are faithfully serving the Lord, but they never get those opportunities like you had as a teenager. And I would ask this question, why, why is it that you believe God gave you the opportunities that he did to allow you to preach these meetings, uh, to allow you to see so many people saved under your ministry as even just a young preacher who's only been saved a few years yourself? Well, I look back on that, and you know, one thing that stands out as it had to be God. And, you know, my dad was always concerned and even fearful. He never wanted to promote and uh, be the person that was responsible for, you know, pushing me out there. Matter of fact, 
he was hosting a meeting I used to attend as a young man called the Fishers of Men Fellowship. It was birthed out of men that really had back in the 60s and maybe even prior to that, but I know during the 60s and 70s, I attended the Fishers of Men Fellowship. And these were men that really uh, were zealous for God, wanted revival, and they would meet Wednesday and start on Wednesday, go through Friday. My dad was hosting it when I was 14, and you just call on preachers from the floor. There's no scheduled main speaker, and you know preachers come, and we just would rotate and call on them. Everyone would try to be you know, time conscious, so you get in as many guys as you can. And it was kind of a camp meeting atmosphere and just an exciting time. And my dad had been asked by numerous preachers, are you going to let your son preach? And my dad's like, no, I'm not preaching my son. We got all these other guests here. A great man of God, evangelist Harold Boyd, my dad called on him to preach. And he said, Brother Boyd, I want you to come preach for us. When he got in the pulpit, he said, Brother Graham, this is my time. I can do whatever I want. And dad said, well, as long as it's scriptural. And he said, then I'm yielding my time to your son. He said, Kenny, grab your Bible and come preach for us. And uh, that right there was the uh, door opener for me because the pastors that were there that that very day uh, scheduled me for revivals. And uh, most of my meetings in those days were Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, primarily focused on trying to, you know, stir the hearts of young people. And uh, let me also say I'm grateful that my dad was there to help keep me, um, keep my spirit right, you know, not to get haughty. If God uses you, man, stay humble about it. And uh, I, I tell you, that was a great help to me because dad was there to let me know to if you don't walk with God, it's not going to work. Right, absolutely. And so I know as far as myself, uh, I aspire, I desire for God to use me in a great and mighty way, even even if it's just a fraction you know, of what he's done in your life, Brother Graham. And I, I would assume, and I have to, I know for sure that there's obviously some young people out there my age, even younger than they have a desire for God to use them in a great way in their life. So what are some things that we need to apply, some characteristics, some principles, the things we need to do to, to uh, let God use us, to, to, get, to have the ability for him to use us in a great way as a young person? Well, let me just mention a few things that I think, of course, number one, Every young person needs to be saved and know for sure they're saved. Get that settled. And then to have a spiritual hunger and thirst for the Word of God. It's never too soon to start reading your Bible. And, you know, if you'll begin to get a daily walk with God, and you don't have to be a theologian to serve God. I look back on some of my preaching. In fact, as I'm, I'm cleaning some things out as I've, I'm rearranging my office uh, at home now. And so, uh, I ran across some outlines that I wrote in 1972. Wow. So you can imagine wow. uh, the handwriting and the and probably the simplicity of it. One of them that I saw uh, was on the conversion of Zacchaeus, and what a what an exciting thought. But I looked at that message. I saw another one that was called uh, "Did He Ask Too Much from You?" And those were things in in my young mind as a teenager that you look around and you try to see what people are are battling with. And, you know, sometimes people today especially talk about, oh, it's just so hard to serve the Lord. But really, you know, since he saved us, how hard is it, I mean, to live for him? And then I would say to young people, have a sincere burden for the lost. If you'll if you'll be soul conscious, God will put opportunities in front of you and see the importance of separation from the world and recognize that God wants to use a clean vessel. And I'm not talking about sinless perfection, 
but to have a hunger and thirst for living a life that pleases God. And then just seek to be sold out to God and let God help you to be sold out 100%. And think about this, and and I'm sitting here with you, Brother Hagan, and I know compared to me, you're a young man, but God has his hand on you. One thing that I would recognize and I would say to everyone that's listening, there are good godly young people that will make themselves available to be used of God. And I say to preachers, don't be afraid uh, to use young people in the work of the Lord. They may not be able to do everything. I had a church extend a call to me as pastor when I was 15. Wow. I was not ready to pastor. I had no business pastoring. But as a 15-year-old, I was quite flattered that they wanted to call me as pastor. But my dad turned it down. He didn't even ask me. He just <laughs> said, no, you're not ready. And I laughed about it. But I said to him, well, didn't you want to at least ask me? He said, no. He said, first of all, it's over 40 miles from the house. How would you get there? You can't even drive a car. And I'm not driving you over there every week. And he said, you're not moving into the parsonage and living on your own. And then this was my dad in the truest form and fashion. He said, son, when you can consistently make your bed without being reminded, we might consider letting you think about pastoring a church. Later on, years later, my dad told me, he said, you know, that church had a history of being a graveyard for preachers. Mm -hmm. They never kept a man more than a couple of years. He said, I didn't want your first experience as a pastor to be a church like that. He was wise to help me in that time frame of mine. And uh, yet to realize that there were things I could do. One other thing I'll mention is if I was invited to preach junior church, I took that opportunity. If I got asked to preach at the rescue mission, I took that opportunity. I never felt like there was any area of preaching that was beneath me, if that makes sense. I had a friend of mine, we were the same age, and he told me this. He said, I don't do children's church and I don't do uh, nursing home and I don't do uh, you know, the rescue mission. I'm a, I'm a main pulpit kind of preacher. And I can tell you this without being critical. He's not in the ministry mm-hmm. today. Uh, every day we have to remember, but for the grace of God, we don't deserve any of the blessings we have. It's got to all be to the glory of God. And, and God shares his glory with no man. And so if we can keep our honor to God and keep our heart humble before God, God will use you even as a young person and be satisfied. If your place of service may be less impressive than someone else, keep your focus on who you're serving, right? not trying to impress anybody else. Absolutely. That is so good. And such um, what wisdom. Um, obviously, you're not going to hear stuff like that from me, but I'm so glad to have Brother Graham on here today. And then I would take these things and apply it to, uh, to your life. You may have to listen to this two or three times uh, to get all the nuggets of truth that have been shared and so, Brother Graham, if I'm not mistaken, at the age of 17 years old, is that when you took your first uh, youth pastor position? It was. Yes, sir. I was um, uh, in March of 1975. Uh, the men of the church actually approached my dad about having become his youth pastor. And and uh, he didn't think I would take it because of the travels, but they agreed to let me continue to go out once a month. And they brought me on as a youth pastor. We had seven teenagers that first Sunday, mm-hmm. including myself. And uh, a year later, we had 70 teenagers. Wow. We were in a town of 2,000. And God blessed tremendously. And we saw our youth department grow. And I was privileged to be youth pastor there for a little over five years. And during that time, 
we saw our youth department grow to average uh, 109 teenagers a Sunday. Wow. And uh, and some choice choice young people. Some of them are in ministry, but a lot of them are are not in full time ministry. weren't called to preach, but are faithful, godly workers in churches across the country. Uh, there's hardly a week goes by that I don't see something either posted on Facebook or, you know, get a comment from somebody that used to be in our youth department that God is still working in their heart and life. And you know, I, I think about one young man that's a very successful businessman that tells how he learned how to give and how to be involved in missions in his teenage years, because we challenged our young people to, you know, start as soon as you can being a tither and then get involved in giving to missions. And, and uh, everyone, no matter what position you have, you know, we may not be called into full-time ministry, but we're all commanded to serve absolutely. the Lord. Absolutely. And you may be listening today and you would say, I mean, I can't make a difference for the Lord. Well, in and of yourself, you're exactly right. You can't make a difference for the Lord, but with His help and with His strength, and when you're relying on Him and He's working through you, you can make a difference for the Lord. And so just even in Brother Graham's teenage years, just the great impact he made uh, on on his community and even on uh, America itself. And so Brother Graham, from from your youth pastorate there, uh, working for obviously your dad, how how did you end up here at Victory Baptist Church in Benton, Arkansas? All right. Well, I went into evangelism from there, and then uh, there was a situation that arose at the home church, and my dad asked me to come back and help, and I did. I went back and served a few more years on staff, and in 1985, um, I left to move to Oklahoma. actually went to work for Brother McDonald and as a staff evangelist, traveled there, and at that time, we had uh, five children and uh, began to, you know, see God lead in our heart. Uh, it's hard to raise children on the road. It can be done, but it's very challenging and just kind of seeking the Lord. Well, God led us to a church and I pastored there uh, literally for one year. Good people, sweet people. I love them to this day. But we ran into a great doctrinal difference. And because of that, I knew that God was going to make a change in my life and direction because I believe doctrine is essential. And uh, I can be patient with people at all levels of spiritual maturity, but there's some doctrines you cannot lay aside. Absolutely. And uh, so as a result of that, Brother Jack Parchman uh, was preaching in a meeting and he told me their pastor had resigned here. And he said, I really think God wants you to be our next pastor. And I said, oh, Brother Parchman, I'd have to pray about that. And he said, well, I want you to. And uh, Brother Parchman uh, brought that to the pulpit committee at the same time. Uh, they were getting ready to start the meeting. Brother Tommy Samples, who was a godly man in the church here, he's in heaven now, he and Brother Parchman both. But Brother Tommy uh, said, whatever happened to Evangelist Ken Graham? I really liked him when he was here. And of course, they knew my dad. My dad had preached here. And uh, come to find out years later, Brother Tommy had put me on his prayer list and had been praying for me ever since I'd, I'd preached here one time. Uh, in 1980, just to fill the pulpit when I was in evangelism for their pastor. And here it was, 1987 in December, and Tommy mentioned my name, and Brother Parchman said, that's who we're bringing to the pulpit committee tonight. And so they asked me to come and preach, and I preached on a Sunday and a Wednesday, and then I left, and the church uh, voted that night to call me as pastor. Amen. Yeah, now you've been here for 33 years, is that correct? 33 years of, in January, completed my 33rd wow, year. Wow, And so what would you say the key to uh, faithfulness of that many years? How, how is it that you 
uh, obviously besides the Lord, obviously him not moving you, but what was the key to staying here 33 years when I'm sure there were, there were good times and there were bad times sure. and there were times you were ready to resign, ready to quit, ready to move somewhere else. What was the key to staying faithful here all of those years? Well, I think number one, of course, is knowing the will of God, but then along with that, staying in the Bible. My preaching, I pray, has been able to feed the flock. And I think that, you know, to do that, you know, we've got to recognize that one of the most important aspects of pastoring is to feed the flock of God. I I give this little outline when it comes to being a pastor. You've got to, of course, uh, take heed to the flock. And if you're going to take heed to what's happening, you got to take heed to yourself first, is what Paul said, to yourselves and to the flock. And then not only to take heed, but then uh, you have to feed the flock and study the Word of God. And, you know, it's not comparing your style to someone else. Every preacher has different uh, personalities and styles. But make sure that what you're preaching is is the Word of God, not just your opinion, not just your uh, frustration, but preach the book. And then uh, you've got to lead the flock. People need leadership. They've got to know that you've got direction from God. Now, there's a difference between leading a flock and lording over a flock. And uh, so be a leader to the flock. And then another thing I like to uh, say is don't be greedy with the flock. And uh, the church here has been so good to us through the years, but it's been my prayer. And even in my departure that I would never have been seen as someone that had expectations other than the thrill of being able to serve the Lord. And then the the last thing I like to say is you got to need the flock. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard preachers jokingly say, if it wasn't for people, the ministry would be wonderful. <laughs> but we need people to have a ministry. Right. And people have all kinds of needs. And we have to. And, and one thing that I would mention, Brother Hagan, if I could. You mentioned meeting me when you were eight. I don't ever want to be the kind of preacher that doesn't have time, whether it's a little child in the congregation or a senior citizen in the congregation, everybody needs to know that they're loved and appreciated and that you'll take just a moment of your time or minutes or even hours if need be, and uh, then just be there for your people. Yeah, absolutely. And that is so very true. And that's what I certainly remember about you, Brother Graham, uh, was you you gave me your time, even as an eight-year-old boy running around acting crazy in the church, as most eight-year-old boys do. But you gave me your time, and I'm so appreciative of that. And that's where I was going with that earlier, is uh, uh, I never thought I could get to him. I never thought I, that I could reach him. I thought he was so far beyond me. And then now to get to obviously be on the podcast, now to be, be able to go into his office and sit on the couch and uh, go out to eat and to lunch and all those things and just learn and glean and and uh, just be able to soak in all the wisdom uh, Brother Graham has while I can. And so that is simply my desire, and I'm certainly enjoying every moment that I that I get to soak in that wisdom. So Brother Graham, if there's if there's a young person listening, young or old person listening, uh, whether they desire to be in the ministry, they're called to preach, called to be a missionary, or are are already in the ministry of some capacity, what is maybe one piece of advice that you would give them or share with them um, that would help them in their ministry or their future ministries? I think the number one thing is stay faithful where God has placed you and then be available to whatever God would give you the opportunity to do and to recognize that, you know, God does use people. And sometimes we may look at others and we might think, well, I'll never be able to do what he did or she did. But if you'll do what God intends for you to do, a friend of mine said, I just want to be everything God intended for me to be. 
And that's what I want to do. And I would just say, if you'll, if you'll be faithful, make yourself available. And, uh, you know, I don't know a pastor that doesn't look for some young person that, you know, uh, could be involved if they'll make themselves available. And may I say to the older people, as we look at young people, don't forget what it was like to be young. You know, I don't ever want to forget what I was like as a teenager, you know, and I served the Lord as a teenager, but I wasn't perfect. I still had the same challenges and frustrations and issues that every teenager faces. But I think we can say to young people, you can make it. And uh, whatever you think you're going through or whatever you feel like you're facing, you're not alone. God's for you and we're for you and your pastor's for you. And uh, let me encourage you, just make yourself available and let God use your life. And uh, but, but don't overlook the menial task. Uh, for the major task, because if you're willing to do the little things, God will bless you with the big things. Absolutely. Let me say this, um, just to echo what Brother Graham said, uh, God can use your life. God can use your life if you allow him. The social media may tell you that the Lord can't use you. There may be adults that tell you that the Lord can't use you. There may be your peers tell you that the Lord can't use you, but the Lord can if you allow him and give him the opportunity to use your life. And that comes from what Brother Graham has already said, staying faithful to the Word of God and making yourself available for whatever task he has put in front of you. That may be going soul winning. That may be cleaning the toilets at the church, uh, making yourself available to serve the Lord in whatever capacity uh, he allows you to. And I don't know the reference off the top of my head, but the Word of God says we're faithful in the small things. He'll give us the greater things in the way to serve him. So if we serve him in those, in those minute, simple things of everyday life that nobody else wants to do, the Lord will elevate us and give us greater opportunities in the days ahead. And so, Brother Graham, before we sign off here, as we're almost out of time, is there anything else you'd like to say or like to add? Just want to remind you that when you read your Bible, there's a lot of young people in there that God used. David was used as a youth. Daniel was used in his youth. The three Hebrew children were young when they first went into captivity. Uh, there's so many, the little maid. And I mean, I think of a whole list of people so again, just to echo, God uses young people. And then let me say again to the older people, um, keep on serving God. You may feel like there's things you can't do anymore, but I'll tell you what, we have no shortage of a need of prayer warriors and you are vital. And just keep serving God until he calls you home. And thank you for this time. Amen, man. It's been good today. I have certainly enjoyed it. And I'll probably go back and listen to this myself and make some notes, write some things down because it has been so good. And if you would, share this with a friend, share this with a neighbor, a young person, maybe a grandchild, whatever it may be. Share this with somebody because I know it'll be a blessing and encouragement to them. And we'll be back with you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Lord bless you. Have a great week.